0: Welcome to the Staying Ageless Podcast, a show that will equip you with the major keys to achieve extraordinary longevity. This is your girl, Associate, E, also known as Raw Girl. I'm a certified nutrition specialist and behavioral coach. And today on the show, we will be talking about how to have pain-free periods and balance hormonally. To get this longevity party started, I'm gonna give you guys some real education about a woman's cycle. And later, we'll be chatting with our expert for today, the incomparable Dr. Neil Bernard, founder of the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. I am so grateful to have each and every one of you tuning into the show from all over the world. Shout out to listeners in Uganda, Mozambique, South Africa, UK, France, Germany, Canada, Poland. I appreciate you all. If today's show inspires you, I'm inviting you to go ahead and subscribe. And please rate the show on Apple Podcasts. Write a review. It means the world to me to get feedback. So any reviews are much appreciated. Don't forget, share the love. If you know someone who needs this information, pass this episode on. Okay, y'all. Today we're talking about PMS or premenstrual syndrome, which can get really real out here for women. It comes like a whirlwind. It takes over our emotions. And at the end of it, most of us are left going, what? <laughs> what just happened? Or we're, or we're like, oh, that's why I had a meltdown the past couple days. But here's the good news. There are natural ways to cope and even triumph over on flow. Today, what I want to do is break down some PMS basics. I think it's super important because most women don't actually understand periods, or menstrual cycles at all, even though it's happening to us every single month for most of our lives. The first thing you need to know is that if you are a woman, your period is an important indicator of your overall health. My clients are often amazed after working with me for only one to two months when they start to have pain-free, mood-swing-free cycles. And a lot of times they're actually confused and think something might be wrong because they're so used to having crazy periods. I have to assure them that this is what the new normal looks like. It is not normal to have vomiting, migraines, excessive cramping, clotting. All of that stuff is actually a sign of estrogen dominance in most cases. For many women, PMS symptoms return month after month and they cause fluid retention, nervousness, reactivity, and even depression during the two weeks prior. Around 5% of women actually may have symptoms so bad that they need medical care. In addition to water retention and mood changes, you may experience exhaustion, sweet cravings, outbreaks of acne, indigestion, and muscle aches. And of course, of course, the lovely cramping can be added on to all of these unsavory symptoms, making it necessary to shut down work and life as you know it. Although I really truly believe that every woman should be entitled to a payday off on her cycle, (laughs) Here's some information to help you understand what the heck is happening to your body. The menstrual cycle is more than just the period. In fact, the period is actually just the first phase of the cycle. The menstrual cycle is actually made up of two cycles that interact and overlap, one happening in the ovaries and one in the uterus. The brain, the ovaries, and the uterus work together and communicate through hormones, which are basically chemical signals sent through the blood from one part of the body to another that keep the cycle going. A menstrual cycle starts with the first day of the period and ends with the start of the next period. This is very key to understand because everything you do from day one of your cycle into the next period diet and lifestyle wise can drastically influence your symptoms. An entire menstrual cycle usually lasts between 24 and 38 days, but the length may vary from cycle to cycle, and it also may change over the years. Here are the six phases of the menstrual cycle. There's menstruation, so that's your actual period, the shedding of the uterine lining. During this phase, the levels of estrogen and progesterone are low. Then there's the follicular phase, the time between the first day of your period and ovulation. Estrogen rises during this period as an egg is prepared to be released. Then there's the proliferative phase. In the proliferative phase, after the period, the uterine lining builds back up again. Then there's ovulation. Ovulation is the release of an egg from the ovary mid-cycle. Estrogen peaks just beforehand and then drops shortly afterwards. There's the luteal phase. The luteal phase is the time between ovulation and before the start of menstruation when the body prepares for possible pregnancy. This is usually when we have the most cray-cray symptoms. Progesterone is produced, it peaks, and then it drops. If you have a luteal phase defect, that lining doesn't grow properly each month, and this can make it actually difficult to become or remain pregnant. The luteal phase is usually around 12 to 14 days long, and during this time, your ovaries make a hormone called progesterone. It tells the lining of your uterus to grow. Last but not least is the secretory phase. This is where the uterine lining produces chemicals that will either help support an early pregnancy or repair the lining to break down and shed if pregnancy does not occur. Now let's talk a little bit about some symptoms. Just before your period starts, you may have little to no energy. There are actually biological reasons for your fatigue. During the luteal phase, waterlogging causes a shift in mineral action, and sodium is retained by the body while potassium is excreted, which makes you feel exceptionally tired. What we usually do at this point is reach for caffeine, salty foods, and junk foods, when actually to restore mineral balance, we need to do the opposite. By eliminating intake of salty foods and increasing our intake of potassium-rich foods, We help our body in this time to find balance. We need 4,700 milligrams of potassium per day, and you can actually get this just from eating a very large salad with 7 to 10 cups of green vegetables. Now, let's get into where the sweet craving comes from. During our cycle, we also have an insufficient supply of B vitamins and magnesium, which causes us to crave sugar. This is why when most women run to get chocolate, because chocolate is actually high in magnesium. But if we consume chocolate with added dairy, processed sugars, and other fillers, we actually set ourselves up to worsen our PMS symptoms. So the best way to combat this is actually to consume chocolate in its natural form, raw cacao, which is again, high in magnesium, but without all the junk. I often have my clients make a raw avocado chocolate mousse around their cycle, which will naturally give them potassium, and magnesium, and additional antioxidants that the body needs. Adding to the sugar craving issues, a week before menstrual flow, women's bodies respond intensely to insulin, causing glucose to leave the bloodstream and enter the cells to be converted into energy. With less glucose circulating in your bloodstream, guess what? The brain actually has less glucose available, which then leaves you tired, irritable, unless you consume the right foods to keep you balanced throughout the day. When it comes to acne, especially around PMS, this can be caused by a higher level of male hormones or androgens in your body. When the adrenal glands rev up during the luteal phase, they activate the oil glands in the skin. And if you consume a balanced diet with a minimum amount of sugar, fat, and chemical additives, this should help prevent hormonal acne. I also increase my client's intake of cruciferous vegetables in many cases using diet and supplements and the acne goes away pretty fast. There are many natural remedies you can use to help reduce pain if you are already in the middle of a horrible cycle. I'm going to link my IGTV video in the show notes so you ladies can check that out. Um, And I go over several remedies in that video. All right, we are going to take a short break. And when we return, we will speak to our amazing guest. Are you interested in living your best, healthiest life? I'm E, also known as The Raw Girl of therawgirl.com, and I'm a certified nutrition specialist and behavioral coach who specializes in helping you discover what exercise and diet is best for your body and get to the root cause and rebalance if you have a serious chronic condition. Clients who have worked with me have reversed diabetes, hypertension, balanced hormonally, gotten rid of acne for good, and lost hundreds of pounds. If you are interested in reaching your health goals with some support this year, visit therawgirl.com to sign up for a 20-minute call with yours truly. Until then, stay healthy and happy. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Bernard, for coming back. You were on my first ever episode. (laughs) And so, and now we're on, I think this is episode 29. So I'm really excited to have you back again and talk some more.
1: Well, congratulations on everything you've done. It's wonderful.
0: Thank you. I really appreciate that. I'm going to link the first episode in the show notes for all of you guys listening so that you can get familiar with Dr. Bernard if you're not aware of the amazing work he does in the world and then i just figured we could just get down to business and talk about pms hormonal balance fibroids the whole thing i guess the place i want to start is what is what is actually happening to a woman hormonally during pms that's kind of that root cause of cramping cuz one of the biggest things is oh i have horrible cramps and I, you know it's debilitating i can't go to work i can't go to school
1: Yes. Some big changes are happening. Um, The problem I have to say is the uterus is the most optimistic organ in the body. Every every month it is convinced it's going to get pregnant again. And so (laughs) what that means is to get ready for pregnancy, some pretty big hormonal changes occur. And there is a big rush of estrogen into the blood. And estrogen, of course, is a group of hormones made in the ovaries and elsewhere in the body also. Mm-hmm. And they thicken up the lining of the uterus to get ready for pregnancy, but then um, after a little while, the disappointed uterus discovers we're not pregnant. and so that whole thickened lining of the uterus is shed in menstrual flow. and so that's that's menstrual bleeding. But the problem is that there are certain things that can happen so that you have a little too much estrogen in your blood, and that means too much thickening of that that endometrial layer. Mm-hmm. And that leads to excessive cramping and lots of other longer term problems. But the short term issue is you hurt. Mm-hmm. And you can try a warm pad and some painkillers and things. And for some women, that's enough. But for maybe one in 10 women, that is nowhere near enough. And, and you're looking for something a whole lot better.
0: Yeah. No, I um- for sure. I, one of the biggest things I tell my clients is that a woman's period is actually one of the major indicators of her health, honestly. Um, and that once you start paying attention to it, you can really see what's going on and what changes you might need to make with your diet and other things. What role does this fiber play in the diet when it comes to menstruation, PMS, and hormonal balance?
1: Well, this is one of the tools that we use. There's, there's a whole range of things that women can do to calm down their hormones. And this is the good news. I and mean, the, the bad news is that these hormonal shifts occur. The good okay. news is you have a surprising amount of control over them. And this is not something you were taught in school. It is not something that your doctor ever told you. And it's not something your parents had a clue about. And so if you say, I am dying one day every month, you know, your older sister or your mother or your aunt will say, I know what it's, yeah, I know I had that too. They did. And it's nice that they're sympathizing, but they this is largely driven by food choices. And it is astounding when women are able to learn how to use foods, how to choose certain foods to dial their hormones back into balance. And in some cases, the hot flash, I'm not hot flashes, but the menstrual pain is just flat out gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and you so and that's a, a great thing because you can you can manipulate hormones for lots of things
0: yeah there were some really great examples and testimonials of women in your book your body imbalance what are some of the things that people really do need to eliminate to start taking control
1: okay um let's uh let's talk about a couple of things and then let's come back to fiber which you asked about which is really important uh, yeah. but, but for th- for things to to be concerned about as i mentioned estrogen in your blood is thickening up the lining of your uterus. And if it thickens up too much, you're going to have more pain at the end of the month. Well, let's say it's lunchtime and you order a cheese pizza and pizza's delicious. It's got the little pepperoni dots on it and, you know, three eighths of an inch of asphalt, you know, yellow asphalt that we call melted cheese all over it. And, you know, we think, oh, is this wonderful? But what's not so wonderful is the fact that that cheese came from milk that came out of a cow, and the cow was pregnant. Mm. And a pregnant cow makes estrogen that ends up in the cheese. And so you have a slice of cheese pizza. If you're a woman, the, the estrogen adds to your own estrogen. If you're a man, it adds to your body too. And researchers years ago started wondering, first looking at men. Men consuming the most cheese, had they had poorer sperm counts. Right. Um, they, they looked at their sperm, their sperm was less, they had a few, fewer sperm, the sperm were less motile, they, they, they wouldn't swim straight, they didn't even have the right shape and that kind of stuff. And they started thinking, wait a minute, the estrogens in cheese are affecting man's fertility, which it can. But for a woman, it's a much bigger deal, because the estrogens are a match for yours. Mm.
0: They,
1: they add to yours, they, con- they contribute to this thickening process of the inner lining and you feel horrible at the end of the month. So what I'm getting at is that slice of pizza or the grilled cheese sandwich or the mac and cheese, or for that matter, any other dairy product, because it's in milk, milk and milk products, they all contribute hormones. And even at the beginning of the month, they contribute the estrogens that thicken up the the uterine lining that you feel at the end of the month. So So breaking up with dairy is a really good idea. And people are under so much pressure. You need milk for calcium. Isn't it natural? Da, 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 da. It is completely unnatural for a human being to consume the milk of a cow at any age. And it's all culture and it ought to be stopped, I have to tell you. And so getting away from dairy is number one. Okay. But but there's more to it. I would go further and I would encourage women, even a skeptical woman who says, I can't imagine food is going to help me. Try this for two cycles, I mean two, two months. Start with your next period, at day one of bleeding, at, on that day, do this experiment. No animal products of any kind, no dairy, no meat, no fish, nothing. And also important, keep oils really, really, really low. Don't, don't add oils as you cook. Um, don't eat oily foods like peanut butter. And if this sounds tough, you're only doing it for two, t- two months. See if your, if your periods aren't dramatically lighter and much less painful. And see if PMS symptoms like bloating or even mood changes, if they don't lighten up for you. And for many women, it is miraculous. We've, we, we discovered this back in the 90s, and we put it to the test in randomized clinical uh, research at Georgetown University's Department of OBGYN, and it works.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: it is a great thing to do.
0: I love that and I also love that you mentioned because I also I tell my clients this as well that th- what we do the month before shows up on that next period. And so I love that you talked about the cumulative effects because it really does start like you need to look at it in month long cycles as far as what's happening with your diet and what happens afterwards. The part that I'm curious about though is I have experience with, with my clients and also even with myself, like, you know, changing my diet. If I'm on a really good, clean, plant-based diet, my period changes. But the oil thing, have you ever done research where you kind of like just did plant-based but not with low
1: oils? Um, you can try this yourself. What many women do discover is that if they're completely vegan, that is terrific for them. But for, and they do great. And let's face it, when you're vegan, that means you're not consuming anything from an animal. You're not getting any animal estrogens at all, um, and it's it's great. But they also some of them do discover that oily foods do work against them. And mm. so, if you're completely vegan, but you had a lot of oily salad dressings mm. or a lot of nuts or seeds, you find that you don't feel well at the end of the month. So just try it. You know, it's your body, and uh, what worked for somebody else might be different for you. But but give it a try and just see. but but you do have to do it at the beginning of the month too, because the endometrial layer of the uterus, that's that inner lining of the uterus, that's not built the day before your period. That's built earlier in the month. So mm. so, so that's why we want to be eating in anticipation of it. Um, And and just just real quick, we mentioned getting away from dairy. Why did I say throw out all the animal products? Because your body, the amount of estrogen in your body depends on two big things. One is how much fat you eat.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. High-fat diets increase estrogen. And that's true for animal fat, also probably true for vegetable oil. The more fat you eat, the more estrogen you've got. That is a problem from the standpoint of pain at the end of the month. But also, fiber is your friend. Fiber is the plant roughage in vegetables and beans and fruits and whole grains. And fiber helps your body to wash away excess estrogen. And so if we're with a vegan diet, the beauty of it is since animal products don't have any fiber, and I'm replacing them with beans and vegetables and fruits and so forth, everything you eat has fiber. So Mm -hmm. there's, there's no animal fat. There's lots of fiber. And that's why a vegan diet is dramatically better than a Mediterranean diet or, or a keto diet or something like that.
0: Mm. What is sex hormone binding globulin and why is it important for hormonal balance?
1: Well, this is for extra credit. Um, yes, you, you have in your bloodstream something called sex hormone binding globulin or SHBG. And as its rather cumbersome name suggests, it binds sex hormones. And a globulin, globulin is just a fancy word for a protein. It's a protein molecule that's floating around in your blood. And if some free estrogen that's out there ready to do mischief to you by attaching to the cells in your uterus and causing them to expand, um, those estrogen molecules will stick on SHBG molecules. So the more SHBG you have in your blood, the more sex hormone binding globulin you have circulating in your blood. the the less active your natural estrogen is, and that's good. It calms it down. It's not gone, but it's held in abeyance until it is actually needed. So SHBG calms down estrogen. It's a good way to reduce the risk of short-term problems like cramps, but all the short-term issues like cramps or fibroids, signs of having too much estrogen, that's a sign that you could be at higher risk of bigger hormone-related problems later on. I'm, I'm talking about breast cancer and other things that are where you're hitting your body month after month, year after year with too much estrogen. or You, you, you hurt over the short run, but over the long run, it can be much more serious.
0: So true. Um, every day in my office, I'm seeing women with fibroids, and they usually had signs very early on of estrogen dominance. Their periods um, were horrible. They were vomiting, all that stuff. So really great point.
1: Let me also make sure that I, I know that when I talk about doing a vegan diet, uh, many women will think, gee, that's that's a tall order. Keep in mind, you're focusing on the short term. Um, try Take one week. And during that week, just think about the foods that you would eat that have no animal products in them, like a bowl of oatmeal for breakfast or cornflakes with almond milk or Try the veggie sausage if you never had it. So anyway, take a week and just figure out the foods. Mm -hmm. And then take three weeks and actually eat them. And Mm -hmm. if you do it all vegan all the time for even three weeks, that's enough time to kind of get used to it. And then at some point, do two full cycles, starting from uh, first day of bleeding, uh, count out two cycles and just do it. And see how you feel. And for, I can't tell you how many people, they just wish they'd learned about this when they were 14.
0: No, for sure. Can you also talk about enterohepatic circulation, how the body actually recycles hormones? You talked just a moment about, about sex hormone binding gobulin. I'm trying to understand this deeply because I've been looking at a lot of gut profiles of women with fibroids and hormonal imbalance, and there's always an issue with mm-hmm. high levels of enzymes that recycle estrogen. But I want to understand it from, I guess, the blood circulation aspect.
1: Right, sure. Um, your liver filters your blood and it actually removes some excess estrogen from the bloodstream. The liver, pulls, the liver cells actually pull the estrogen out of the blood and they send it through a little tube called the bile duct. And the bile mm-hmm. duct leads into your intestinal tract and the estrogen goes down your intestine, starting in the small intestine. It ends up in the large intestine. And then pretty soon it ends up in the toilet.
0: Mm. So your,
1: your liver is getting rid of the excess estrogen. But, but the problem is that this whole estrogen flush mm. depends on one thing, and that is fiber. It's the plant roughage I described earlier. Let's say your lunch was salmon. Mm. or, Or yogurt or an omelet. That's not a plant, so it doesn't have fiber. And if there is no fiber in your intestinal tract, then those estrogen molecules are moving down from the small intestine into the large intestine. They don't stay there. There's no fiber to hold them there. So they actually pass through the intestinal wall back into the bloodstream. And they they circulate around again. And eventually they're going to find their way back to the liver. And the liver says, what are you doing here? I thought I got rid of you. And it actually pulls it out of the blood one more time. And it sends it down the intestinal tract, but there's no more fiber than before. So it, Uh. it cycles again. This is called enterohepatic circulation. Entero means the intestine. And hepatic means the liver, like hepatitis. So... Enterohepatic circulation is going on in your body right now. It's things that are supposed to be going out with the waste, but because you're not eating enough fiber, they are circulating back into the bloodstream, going back to the liver, back down to the intestine, back up to the liver, back down. And this, so many women on omnivorous diets because they're not getting adequate fiber. Um, are have hormones cycling hour after hour after hour after hour stimulating their body in ways that they wouldn't otherwise be and the way to interrupt it is tomorrow morning go vegan because now everything you eat has fiber and it will carry those estrogens down the toilet as they are supposed to and let me say they do right. they, have, they have a similar benefit for men um, they will help moderate testosterone now right. I, don't mean, I don't mean that a man won 't be a man he will be. Yeah, uh, but uh, I've often wondered what would happen to the politics of this country if men had a little, <laughs> more, a little more, a little more fiber in their diet. Um, we might be able to rein it just, you know, just a bit and calm down just a bit.
0: <laughs> that and if everyone's colon was actually clean, potentially from eating enough fiber as well.
1: <laughs> um, your, your your colon is connected to your head, so um, right if, if we. Uh, If we calm (laughs) calm down our colon, we can calm down a whole lot of parts of life. By the way, let men imagine that a vegan diet is going to make you less of a man or something like that. It it is associated with better fertility, Mm. more stable mood, and better athletic performance by far. We've seen this with the world of tennis. We saw it with long distance running. And now we're seeing in football um, that the, the top football players, a lot of them are going vegan uh, for a couple of reasons. They want muscle. You know, a bull has muscle. A bull is a vegan. A bull yeah. has, you want muscle, you don't want flab. Um, mm. And so all these people are doing, in fact, uh, I don't know if you're an auto racing fan, but uh, the top race driver in the world is Lewis Hamilton. He's the mm-hmm. six-time Formula One champion. Uh, he has been vegan now for many years. And wow. in fact, just, just today, he tied the record for all-time most race wins of any driver in history. So cool. Um, And he would say, I'm sure he would say, give me a cheeseburger and you're gonna destroy my performance.
0: Right, (laughs) wow, wow. I love that explanation. I feel like I understand it all better now and why it's getting all, the gut is so central to that and also why supporting the liver um, is important when you're dealing with hormonal imbalance, so good. What's the connection between our body weight our hormones and maintaining
1: balance. You can discover this by going to the beach. It's August day, very hot. Um, you, you know, a, a guy's stripped off his shirt and he's a little heavy set and he's got a little breast development. Mm. Now, if you, if you went online, you would hear about man boobs, which is not, not the medical term, but that's what guys call them online. Right. And, and they'll say all kinds of crazy things like, uh tofu causes soy products cause man boobs because soy has uh, phytoestrogens in them which i have to say is completely untrue and you can prove this to yourself august day go to the beach and walk up to hank who's taking his shirt off he's got a little bit of breast enhancement go right up to him and say um hank um, how much tofu have you eaten this past week <laughs> he's gonna say what are you talking about i don't i don't eat. I, I don't even know what you're, you're referring to anyway um it, it turns out that, that the, the, uh, the isoflavones in soy do not cause harmful effects for men or women. They act For women, they actually reduce the risk of breast cancer about 30%. And for men, they reduce uh, prostate cancer too. A- anyway, the, the, but the reason that Hank does have man boobs, he does, it's because, well, keep on the conversation. He says, I don't eat tofu. I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't eat soy stuff. I don't know what that is. Well, what do you eat, Hank. I eat hamburgers, I eat steak, uh, I eat eat fish, I eat these things. Okay, he's eating high-fat, high-calorie foods. Mm -hmm. And as he's gained weight, he's got more body fat. And you were asking about body fat. Body fat, a fat cell is not just a bag of calories. It's an active metabolizing factory. A fat cell takes testosterone from the blood Convert, mm-hmm. converts it to estrogen and kicks it back out into the blood. This happens in a man's body. That's why his, wow. his testosterone was converted to estrogen and it gave him man boobs. Part of his man boobs are just fat. Part of it is actual breast tissue. But this also happens in a woman's body. A woman In a woman's body, if she's gaining weight, more weight, her fat cells make estrogens too. And over the long run, that's a higher risk of postmenopausal breast cancer for her. Over the short run, that means more fibroids, Uh, more discomfort each month. And Mm -hmm. weight loss is a challenge for people, um, understandably. And people punish themselves by starving or doing keto or other really bad ideas. And the the better thing to do is to do the diet I described earlier. Throw out the animal products. Eat as much as you want of vegetables and fruits and whole grains and beans, all the things that they, they turn into. So instead of spaghetti with meat sauce, have spaghetti with tomato sauce instead of meat chili have bean chili if you go to a sushi bar have the cucumber roll or the sweet potato roll something like that you're now having no animal fat lots of fiber you will gradually slowly but surely lose that excess weight and acutely these diet changes will help your hormones get into balance but Mm. in the longer run the weight loss will help you get into balance too
0: Mm, Hmm. And, and in relation to fertility as well?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, abs- absolutely. I mean, um, the sweet spot for fertility, when, th- there's many contributors to fertility, and diet is huge in, the, in this, but one is weight. Um, the sweet spot for fertility is a body mass index between about 18 and 21, something like that. Now, if, if you're not sure what I'm talking about, body mass index is a calculation. It's, it's your weight but it's adjusted for how tall you are. So you go online, punch in BMI calculator, body mass index calculator. You put in your height, you put in your weight, and it'll say, okay, your BMI is X. Um, If it's between 18 and a half and 25, we're going to call that healthy. Um, And if you're above 25, we're going to say you've got more weight than is really associated with the best health. And it turns out, though, that for people within that range, the m- max fertility is around between about 18 and 21, 22. If you've got too, mm. much, too much body fat, it just goofs up your your hormone balance. And, and the same thing if you got too little. Um, if you've are if you got a BMI of 16, that's too low. Um, yeah. And your ovaries might just shut down completely.
0: Yeah, no. I have I have a lot of clients I work with to help them gain weight so they can actually be in a better place. But the other thing I think my clients in particular struggle with is a lot of black women feel like the BMI is kind of irrelevant because they feel like they always are above the BMI. (laughs) And I don't, I actually need to do research on how the BMI was developed. Um, but I empathize with some of them because, but I do pay attention to their waist hip ratio and other things that would show, you know, show that they have greater risk for cardiovascular disease and other things.
1: Um, the BMI is, is an improvement on body weight because body weight just, it, it can't differentiate a person who's four foot 11 from a person who's six foot four. Yeah. Um, your way, so BMI is a way to be a little more sophisticated about it. It takes your height into account, but it doesn't take into account. It can't tell the difference between muscle and.
0: Fat. Yeah.
1: And it also, can, which is a, a big issue for, um, really athletic people. And it also, yeah. it can't tell the difference between belly fat and, and thigh fat. Um, and belly fat is more dangerous. Um, yes. But that said, if your BMI is is outside the healthy range, this is a, a good time to go on a low-fat vegan diet and see where you go. Now, if you don't get quite into the healthy BMI range, okay, th- this is not a moral issue. It's really a, just a question of doing the best that you can with the body you got and the foods that are available to you and so forth. But mm-hmm. a lot of people carry extra weight thinking they were eating healthy because the healthy things that were pushed on them were things like salmon. Well, right. okay, salmon's got good fat in it, doesn't it? Well, maybe, but it, it's got much more bad fat. Um, and a, a slice of Chinook salmon. It's 52 percent fat as a percentage of its calories, and mm-hmm. every fat gram has nine calories, just ready to keep your BMI elevated. So when we, when you realize that that shinnok salmon to be fed should be fed to your cat, and you <laughs> ought to be eating vegetables and fruits and grains and beans, um, you're going to get away from these unhealthy foods that, that people have been eating.
0: What are your thoughts on? birth control. So I have this running narrative. Uh, Dr. Bernard, literally three, four women a day come into my office and they tell me the same story. I was eating, I was drinking a ton of milk. Um, Perhaps they were eating a lot of sugar as well. I had horrible periods early on. My doctor had this awesome idea to put me on birth control to make the horrible period stopped. And then I just happened to get off the birth control because now I want to conceive and now I have a gang of fibroids. And I literally hear this from people all day, every day. <laughs> I want to know what your thoughts are on birth control. And also, um, yeah, let's just start there.
1: You, you mean, did the birth control cause their fibroids, you mean? Yes. Is that what you're asking?
0: Or is it a part of the, the problem?
1: <sighs> Great question. Uh, well, well, first of all, let's say that there is certainly something to be said for birth control. Um, we don't want to suggest that birth control is a bad thing. Um, and I'm one to believe that a woman should have complete control over what happens in her body. And if birth control gives her that ability, I think that is great. Um, birth control pills, um, Yes. Uh, The the short answer to your question is yes. There is some evidence that they might actually support the growth of fibroids. Um, They are also often used for symptomatic relief for all kinds of things like menstrual pain. So Mm -hmm. they might be a bit of a double edged sword. But let's maybe talk about what fibroids are. A fibroid is just a fancy term for a little knot of muscle cells. Your 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 uterus has a a, a, a layer of muscle in it that keeps mm-hmm. keeps it strong. It's got to have that so that it doesn't just pop open. And those muscle cells, you can have one of them start to overgrow. It's not it's not cancer. It's totally benign, but you get this little knot of growing muscle cells in the uterus, and doctors call them fibroids, or they call them lyomyomas, but it mm-hmm. just means it means a bunch of muscle cells. Um, most women have them. Um, you're not aware of them. Two-thirds of women who have them aren't even aware. They're not bothering them. Mm-hmm. However, um, they can cause problems because they grow. They grow a lot in some women, and they can increase uterine bleeding. You're gonna, you can have your period is heavier, and it's longer. And because you're losing blood, your doctor says there's something wrong with your blood test. You are anemic, and it's because of blood loss. And it can lead to greatly exaggerated menstrual pain. Um, And because it's just this baseball in your abdomen, um, it can press on your bladder. And so you're going to the bathroom more often and you feel urgency to urinate and it can cause constipation. Uh, It can make sex more painful. It can, your abdomen can be tender. All all these things can happen. Mm -hmm. Um, So, Very common, particularly not so much when you're 18 or 20, but more common when you're in your 30s, when you're 40s, and then you're 52 and you hit menopause. Right. At that point, your ovaries stop making estrogen pretty much and your fibroids shrink. Mm -hmm. And so if you want, you can just wait and uh, your fibroids will shrink, but you might have to be extremely patient because... First of all, you're not 52 yet. And secondly, um, sometimes they shrink really slowly. Right. And so that's why doctors will say, well, come into the operating room. Uh, the, the number one reason for hysterectomy in the United States is, is symptomatic fibroids. Would the diet changes that we recommend help you? And the answer is yes, but probably not very rapidly. Um, Lower body weight does help for all the reasons that we mentioned. Uh, body fat makes estrogens. Estrogens drives fibroids. So mm-hmm. if you bring your weight down, that's good. And if you never gained weight too much in the first place, you're much less likely to have fibroids. Um, meat eaters, it's not going to surprise you. They got more fibroids. Mm-hmm. Um, people who eat fruits and vegetables have, have fewer fibroids. Um, and, and by the way, let me say another word about soy because a lot of people are completely goofed up about soy. Soy does not cause fibroids. Soy does not cause breast cancer. So it does not cause women with breast cancer to have a more advanced cancer. It doesn't do any of those things. If anything, it's beneficial. So low-fat, healthy, plant-based diet. Do lace up your sneakers. Um, exercising women are, oh, maybe 40% less likely to develop fibroids. And, and by the way, there's a, a lot of goofy ideas about, about um, exercise. Women will think, oh, I want to get pregnant. I shouldn't overdo it with exercise. Exercise is only a problem if you're burning more calories than you're able to eat, and you're getting so rail thin that you, it, the excess thinness is a problem. But if you are a vigorous exercise in, exerciser and you're eating enough food to maintain a healthy body weight, your fertility is not going to be harmed at all, and that exercise is not going to hurt you.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have the problem also of just under eating for the the purpose of losing weight and over exercising and it doesn't work because your metabolism goes in the tanker.
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, Um, And you can can get a healthy metabolism in a good way. Um, hmm. In our laboratory, we measure metabolism in women. And I I wrote about this in Your Body and Balance. Um, This is the most amazing thing. Uh, For a woman who said, I can't lose weight, Uh, when I was young, uh, I was easy to stay slim, but now my metabolism is shot. Yeah. Um, We measure metabolism through a process called indirect calorimetry. You you lie down on an exam table and I actually measure how much carbon dioxide you're breathing out Mm. and and how much oxygen you're taking in. Because if you're burning up calories really fast, your body puts out a lot of carbon dioxide. It's like an engine putting out a lot of exhaust and it's Mm. easy to measure. So then I say, all right, now let's do an experiment for the next three months. No animal products at all. We're going to keep oils really low. The, the diet things things that we've been talking about during this whole conversation. And, uh, you're going to eat a lot of carbohydrate, but it's healthy carbohydrate oatmeal and beans and so forth. You come back, you lie down on the same table. And now I measure how much, how much carbon dioxide you're putting out, how much oxygen you're, you're taking in and your metabolism is faster huh? And it's faster for about three hours after every meal. Um, now, and I, I'm talking, you're not necessarily eating more food or anything, but, but your metabolism is more like it was when you were 14 years old. And the reason is you're, you're you're eating how much animal fat zero. You're keeping oils really low. The fat is now draining out, not just from your fat stores, but your muscle cells. Had little fat particles in them, and that's draining out too. And now your muscles have more efficient metabolism than they had before. Your muscles are able to burn calories much more effectively. The the little mitochondria inside each muscle cell, they don't have that fat slick, that that oil slick to deal with, and they burn calories faster. And it's not huge. The increase is about 15%. Okay, But, but if, you burn, if you burn calories 15% faster after breakfast every single day, you know, <laughs> um, you're going to be skinnier. Um, yeah.
0: but,
1: so that's why we've been using this kind of diet and testing it. Um, and, and of course, not just for weight loss, but for more serious things like tackling diabetes and, and, yeah. uh, and, and so forth.
0: So cool. Um, thank you so much, Dr. Bernard. Where can people find you online?
1: Oh well thank you. Uh, the book that, that we've been talking about is Your Body in Balance. And it's on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and and, and if frankly if, if bookstores are ever open again, um, I, I hope <laughs> I frankly, hope so too. I, I hope frankly, I hope people will go and patronize their local bookseller because these these people need some support. But anyway, that's your body in balance. Um, you'll find us at pcrm.org. It stands for Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, pcrm.org. And, and let me just make a, a request, if you don't mind. Yeah. I, you know, I hope everybody will buy a copy of Your Body in Balance. I hope they will learn about this. But, but more importantly is I want people to share this information with somebody else. Because nowadays, there are so many kids who are growing up in a world where they think it's totally normal, to be miserable one day every month, or two days every month, they think it's normal to have to, to have weight struggles, and then to try to starve it off, and and that ends up leading to bulimia and anorexia and all kinds of problems, and and they'll think it's just normal to be at high risk for for diabetes or breast cancer and so forth. Now we can't stop all of that, yeah. And, and you can be on a perfect diet and still get sick, but the, the, my my message is share this information with others. The work the work that you have done is so wonderful. You have so many programs that empower people, but the people listening to this message right now know so many others who haven't heard this. And so we've got to work together to share it with other people.
0: I appreciate that. That's so awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Dr. Bernard. Thank you. Time to take some questions from Instagram and email. Remember, if you would like to have your question answered on the show, all you got to do is send me a DM, slide up in my DMs, respond to the call for questions on my profile at the raw girl, or contact me via my website, therawgirl.com. The first question is via email from Michelle. She says, dear raw girl, I had horrible periods for many years with heavy bleeding which led to recently being diagnosed with fibroids. What are some of the nutrients I need to be concerned about? Hi Michelle, I'm so sorry to hear that you are not well. One of the first things you should do since you've been experiencing heavy bleeding over the years is check to see if you are iron deficient. Make sure your doctor or health practitioner checks your serum iron, your ferritin, your total iron binding capacity. Check your complete blood count to get a full picture. If you are anemic, you want to include iron-rich foods along with an iron supplement, preferably one that is gentle and non-constipating. Ferrous gluconate is a form I like. It's worked for my clients. And liquid iron supplements, some have herbs included, can also be pretty gentle. Some iron-rich foods include tofu, lentils, lima beans, kidney beans, chickpeas, blackstrap molasses, quinoa, dark leafy greens, such as kale, spinach, Swiss chard, and collard greens, nuts, pumpkin seeds, and sesame seeds. In addition to iron, I highly recommend you change up your diet to avoid dairy as we discussed in this episode avoid sugar, and find ways to reduce your stress levels. Magnesium deficiency is one that I often see in people who are dealing with anxiety, so increasing magnesium intake with supplementation or food can also be very supportive. Use the diet recommendations we discussed in this episode, and you can also check out my past episode on fibroids for more specifics on how you can create a holistic protocol to address your fibroids. And please also don't hesitate to reach out to us again if you need more help. I hope that helps you. All right, it's time to close out the show. Hopefully this show has given you a lot of education about a woman's cycle and hormonal balance. We need to do better about discussing this so there are not more women out there suffering in silence. If you are having horrible periods that include cramping, vomiting, migraines, heavy bleeding, heavy clotting, these are signs of estrogen dominance that need to be addressed ASAP. As we learned today, diet is a key way that we can get immediate relief. Make adjustments and feel free to message me to let me know how your cycle has improved. All right, so today I'm going to leave you with a quote from an unknown source. Why women are badass. Because we can bleed for a week straight without dying. (laughs) Well, that's all for today, sis. If you're looking for more health tips or have a question for the show, Find me on Instagram at The Raw Girl. You can also find me and contact me through my website, TheRawGirl.com. To listen to past episodes, visit StayingAgelessShow.com.